Uh, praise the Lord. Well, let's, let's open with a word of prayer and uh, include in our prayer tonight uh, for God's blessing and safe travel mercies for Dave and the whole group heading for Israel. And then we can pray for our hearts not to be overtaken with jealousy. Uh, and that we really would want the Lord to bless them. So, Father, we're thankful, God, for your goodness, Lord, and your mercy, Lord, and all the ways in which, Father, you bless us. Lord, and we think tonight, Lord, of uh, Dave and Michelle and the group as they head to Israel, Father. And we pray, Father, that there'd be nothing the enemy could do to distract them or unsettle them in any way, Father, that they would have ears to hear, Lord, all that your Spirit would say to them. And, Lord, give them eyes to see all the wonderful lessons uh, that make the Bible come alive for us, Father, as we spend time in the land of Israel. So bless and encourage them there, Father. Use them there, Lord, as they come into contact with unbelieving people. Lord, may the joy of the Lord uh, just shine out from them. And Father, may others be encouraged to consider who you are, Jesus, and what you have provided for us. And Lord, we pray that you'd meet with us tonight. And uh, God, just speak to our hearts. Lord, we need to be encouraged in these last days. And Lord, uh, so many things that attack and unsettle our faith. Lord, we would pray that you'd come and settle us down, Lord, tonight. And give us peace, Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. One of the places that David will certainly take the group in Israel is up north to Caesarea Philippi, and it's one of our favorite spots to go to. But it's sort of a, a key spot also in the ministry of Jesus. It was there that he settled down with uh, the disciples and, and posed the question, who do men say that I am? And uh, of course, answers came back to the well. Some think you're John the Baptist raised from the dead. Others think that you are uh, Elijah. And others think you might be Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And Jesus stopped them there and said, yes, but who do you think that I am? Who do you say that I am. And it was at that moment that Jesus uh, allowed <laughs> graciously for Peter to answer the question, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And uh, the Lord was quick to remind him, Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. My father, which is in heaven, has revealed this to you. And uh, upon this rock, I will build my church in the gates of hell won't prevail over it. But the thing that really stuck with me was the question, who do you think that I am? Who do people say that Jesus is? And evangelically, of course, it's important for us to make sure we present a message of clarity about who Jesus is, because there's a lot of confusion out in the world about who God is, how we get to know God, how we approach God, how God wants to be worshipped, and what that means as far as living our lives day by day is concerned and what we can expect into the future. Uh, but I was thinking also that uh, I don't know of any place right now where there is more angst and, and more questions being posed than right within the church as we look at everything that's going on around us. I think it's right that the church, being enlightened about truth and, and about God's plan, it, it, it would be right for us to look at things going on around us and really be taken back by it. Lord, are we in the last days? Lord, how do we respond to this? Lord, is the church being faithful? Lord, is there something I need to stop doing? Is there something I need to start doing? There's probably many questions, if you're like me, that uh, I'm asking myself uh, every day. Lord, I want to count. I want my life to matter. And, and so the question came back, well, Jeff, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And of course, we could go around the room here tonight and there's uh, strong believers here, so we could get a lot of titles 
that might come to your mind about who Jesus is. Well, he's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the resurrection and the life. He's the bread of life. Right? He's the resurrection and the life. He's the soon and coming King. He's the Messiah. He's the great I am. I mean, the list can go on and on. But for my heart, what I, what I needed to hear from him and what I want to share with you tonight is the answer that he gives in John chapter 10 when he says, I'm the good shepherd. Now, for you and I, as Americans, Westerners, we don't think much about the role of a shepherd and how that is such a sweet and wonderful title that the Holy Spirit has given to Jesus. But in the eastern lands, in, in the land of Israel and in the east, uh, a shepherd is something that is uh, really thought a great deal about. Uh, if you think even back to pictures of the pharaohs and some of the great emperors of the world, one of the things that they would carry as an emblem of their authority was a staff. It would be small and a rod, and it would be crossed in front of them, and it would, it would be held there. And what they were saying is, I am the shepherd of the people in my country. And it was, it was a way of them saying, I care for my people, and I am here to provide for my people, and I am here to guide and direct my people and defend my people, feed my people. The idea of a shepherd so very, very important. And what I wanted us to do tonight was just take a look at many different scriptures. So I'm going to apologize up front about not staying in one chapter. We're going to kind of hike through different parts of the Bible. Uh, old uh, preachers used to call this stringing pearls. Uh, where they would just go through portions of Scripture and they would just grab a pearl from here and a pearl from there and a pearl from here and they would string them all together. And when you were done, you had this wonderful, beautiful ornament, if you received it, that you could put on your life and it would be a blessing to you and a blessing to people around you. So if you would turn with me first to Matthew's Gospel... I'll put my cheaters on so I can read. Actually, we talked about that enough. Let's, let's go to Mark's Gospel, Mark chapter 6. The Matthew account was what we just spoke about up in Caesarea Philippi. But notice with me, beginning uh, in verse 30 of Mark chapter 6, it says, Then the apostles gathered to Jesus, told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. They had come back from being sent out to tell the world about Christ. And he said to them, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. And I kind of see that's what we're doing here tonight. You know, we've been out in our world. We've been out hopefully representing Christ. And remember, Jesus always wants to bring us back and give us rest from that and, and give us a moment to sort of recalibrate and, and get refreshed and hear new things from him. So come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while, for there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. Now, here's the thing that struck me. But the multitude saw them departing, and many knew Jesus, and ran there on foot from all the cities. They arrived before them and came together to him. And Jesus, when he came out, 
saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them. Why? How did Jesus see this multitude that, in fact, one of the other gospel writers tells us the disciples saw these multitudes and they're going to tell Jesus, send them away. It's getting late. We don't have enough food to feed them all. The, the multitudes became a burden to the disciples but to Jesus, he viewed them differently. He was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. He looked at them through the eyes of a shepherd. He didn't, he didn't see them at that moment. He wasn't looking upon them in their weakness and in their need, their tiredness. He wasn't looking upon them as Almighty God might do that, you know, or, or as the King of Kings might do that, or some great other theological truth that we know about Jesus. It's a very simple thing. He looked upon them like a shepherd. And he saw these people that the church was growing impatient by, saw all of these people whom the church was being tired out by. He saw them and he had compassion on them. Jesus is the shepherd. Go with me to John chapter 10. And this really clarifies and makes it very directly clear to us how Jesus saw himself and his ministry here. Look at John chapter 10, beginning in verse 7. Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. And then he spells it out. I am the good shepherd. And he begins to give us an understanding because in our culture, we don't know much about shepherds. We, uh, we, we don't see shepherds at work all that often. Uh, some maybe do, but most of us have not. And so to understand the heart and the mind of a shepherd, the role of a shepherd with a flock of sheep will help us to have a better handle on how Jesus wants to relate with us. Because Jesus is the shepherd, and we are the sheep. We are his. And there's a wonderful relationship that's revealed to us in the scripture between the shepherd and his sheep. Notice what he says here, just in this portion. He said, I am the good shepherd, and number one, the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. The shepherd doesn't come demanding from his sheep. He doesn't come dictating to his sheep. He comes and he says, I give my life for the sheep. He lays his life down for the sheep. Remember the story of David when uh, he was before Saul and and the armies of Israel were being resisted by the Philistines and everybody was afraid because Goliath, the champion of the Philistines, would come out and taunt the Jews and mock them and challenge, just send out one man, you know, and we'll settle this whole battle right here, right now. If one man will come out, if he can defeat me, the Jews win. If I defeat him, the Philistines win, and that would be the end of the battle. And David heard all of that, remember, and, and he goes and he says, who does this uncircumcised Philistine think that he is? He's defying the God of, or, or the army of the living God. And Saul, who is a man who at very best was a carnal believer, if he was a believer at all, and he looked at him and said, who is this kid? And who is this kid? 
And one of the things that David said to him is, look at, I can handle this. I'll take this. I have faith in God, and God has exercised that faith because when I was shepherding my father's flock while my brothers were here in the army, I had to face down a lion and a bear. That's a shepherd laying his life down for the sheep. And that's where it always has to begin. And that really, for me, is becoming more and more where I always land when I'm facing issues or wrestling with thoughts or wondering what to do or being heartbroken watching different believers struggling in their walk with the Lord. I I always end up coming back to, you know what? Our shepherd... He, he doesn't get behind us and push us forward. He, he's, he doesn't demand like that. He always goes before us and he lays his life down for us. Jesus protects us. He's given his life up for us and he's still doing that today. Another thing he says about them is, Uh, Down in verse 14, he says, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I am known by my own. One of the things that has to be true of a shepherd is he must really love sheep because he spends a great deal of his time, if not the vast majority of his time, especially in these days, with the sheep. He had to lead them from home out to areas of pasture. And then when one pasture land would be used up, he'd have to lead them to another. He'd have to go before them. He had to make sure that the grass was the right grass for the sheep to eat. He would have to safeguard them against any predatory animals that might be there at the same time. During Certain times of the year, he would be down in the valleys. Other times of the year, he would take them up on the mountaintop. He knew what was exactly the best for his sheep. And when they were in a pen, when they were in a place to be kept safe, all the shepherd would have to do would be to come and call the sheep. And the sheep would hear the voice of their shepherd, and they would only follow their shepherd. There might be a public pen where many shepherds would put their flocks all together. And all the shepherd would have to do is come and speak his name, speak the name of his sheep. The sheep would hear their shepherd, follow their shepherd. They would not follow any other shepherd. It's an amazing thing. And it really poses the question, have you given yourself the time to get to know the voice of your shepherd. I mean, there's a lot of voices out there screaming and yelling at us today, aren't there? News and internet and all kinds of voices screaming. It seems like people are just angry all the time. Politicians, they don't talk and debate and discuss. They yell and they scream. People that perhaps have a rightful cause, they they don't go out and reasonably discuss it or find a way of working through it. They they riot and they and they start screaming and hollering. And so often to me it just doesn't even make sense. But that's sort of the 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 tone of the world in which we live. And the voice of our shepherd is a voice you can come to recognize. Remember, there was a time. In Elijah's life, God had used him to do great miracles. And then he allowed his humanity to kind of rise up in him, and he, and he ran for his life. Jezebel had put a, a hit out on him, if you will, and, and she wanted to see him dead, and he took off. And God, again, just graciously provided for him, took care of him. And he, Elijah kept running and kept running, and Finally, he finds himself in a cave. And he comes out because the Lord calls him, Elijah, what are you doing here? And Elijah comes out. And he listened for the voice of the Lord. But it wasn't in the earthquake. It wasn't 
in the hurricane, the wind, but it was a still, small voice that Elijah recognized. You know, don't for a moment allow yourself to be conditioned by the world in which we live, where everything is in terms of volume or just constantly pounding away with the same rhetoric, the same lies, and the same deception. Our shepherd Jesus, he knows you by name, and when he speaks to you, he'll speak to you with a still, small voice. Always. <laughs> I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and I am known by my own. Notice again, verse 15, as the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. There are some old stories of shepherds wanting to protect their sheep at nighttime, and they would build these, uh, these little stalls and make them out of stone, and there would be one opening to get into that stall. The sheep could come in there, and then what the shepherd would do is he would just lay down right across the mouth of that so that any predator that wanted to come in or any thief that wanted to come in and harm the sheep or take the sheep, they would have to get through the shepherd. They would have to get through the shepherd. Verse 16, this is good news for you and me tonight. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice. We are the other sheep. Israel was the first fold, and you and I, the church, we are the next fold. And he says, they will hear my voice. And there will be one flock and one shepherd. One flock and one shepherd. Look with me over at verse 27. Same chapter. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. And they follow me. They, they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. You ever wrestle with eternal security? Now, some have said if you don't trust in eternal security, then you will be internally insecure. And it's, it's true. You know, you, you lose that peace of heart and that stability. Listen, Jesus here is saying that the church is a part of his flock. And he's saying that his sheep know his voice and he knows us. And he's saying nothing can pluck my sheep out of my hand. Like David, he's ready to fight off the Goliaths in your life, the wolves, the, 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 the bears, and the, and the lions. He's ready to fight them off. But then he says, if that's not enough for you, nothing can pluck you out of my father's hand. And then, my father and I are one. And, and the picture I always have in my mind uh, when, when, when the Spirit of God wants to comfort me is I'm in the hand of Jesus, I'm in the hand of the Father, and I just see those two hands together creating this perfect shelter for me. And nothing can get to me because I have this wonderful shepherd. He knows me. I'm getting to know his voice. I know he's laid his life down for me and nothing can take me away from him. I hope you have that same faith. Go with me to Ezekiel and we'll kind of look at the other side of this because this is 
the difficulty that we run into. Um, look with me at Ezekiel chapter 34. And here we're seeing shepherds that were unfaithful. And just look at the, the characteristic of these, of these irresponsible shepherds. The way the heading in my Bible refers to them. And Ezekiel 34, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God to the shepherds, Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? And the answer is yes. The answer is yes. And then he states specifically what these shepherds were doing wrong. You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the flock. The weak you have not strengthened, nor have you healed those who were sick, nor bound up the broken, nor brought back what was driven away, nor sought what was lost, but with force and cruelty you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. You see, shepherds, in this case, were those who governed over the nation of Israel. And they served themselves rather than serving the people. They enriched themselves rather than laying their lives down to enrich the people. Look with me down at verse 11 because this is the Lord's response to it. For thus says the Lord God, indeed I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. <laughs> Humans will fail Governments will fail. Even church leaders will fail. And I've got to say it, uh, we should be very, very thankful for pastors like Pastor Dave who don't live and serve for their own personal benefit or gain but are willing to lay their lives down for the sheep, for the Lord's sheep. The Lord uses men like that. And there are many, many Men like that. Indeed, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. Remember Luke 19.10, Jesus said, I have come to seek and to save that which was lost. I like that too. Even as a Christian, there are times when I felt lost, felt confused, wasn't sure where I was at, what I should be doing. How did I get to this place? And I am so thankful that Jesus doesn't Ridicule me, doesn't expose me, doesn't condemn me, but he seeks me out to restore me, right? To restore me. That's the way our shepherd is. As a shepherd seeks out his flock on the day he is, he is among his scattered uh, sheep, so will I seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places where they were scattered on a cloudy and dark day. And folks, <laughs> spiritually, we are living in cloudy and dark days, are we not? It, it's amazing. We realize Jesus is coming back very soon. We see the signs all around us, and the signs will become more intense and more consistent as we get closer to his return. And we know that those signs are going to include things like confusion, and it is going to be darkness increasing on the earth. And the hearts of men are going to grow cold. But that tells us that our shepherd is coming back for his flock, the sheep. I'm going to seek out my sheep, deliver them from all the places where they were scattered on a cloudy and dark day. And I will bring them out from the peoples, gather them from the countries, will bring them to their own land. 
And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel and the valleys and in all the inhabited places of the country. That was certainly fulfilled in May of 1948 when Israel became a nation again. But you know what? I, I, I hope I'm not over-spiritualizing this, but for, for you and me right here, right now, you know, the Lord is going to seek us out and he's going to come for us and he's going to take us to a place, a land that he's prepared for us so that where he is, we might always be. Jesus our shepherd is coming back for us. And I love verse 15. I will feed my flock and I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek what was lost and bring back what was driven away. Bind up the broken and strengthen what was sick. But I will destroy the fat and the strong and feed them in judgment. The Lord is coming back. His coming back is, is a work of grace and it's a work of judgment all at the same time. One act, a judgment on a world that has rejected him and it is also a work of deliverance and grace for those who, by God's mercy, have surrendered to him. He's coming back for his bride, the church. Right? One act and the Lord Jesus is going to be the shepherd of his sheep and defend against those who would attack his sheep. Go with me to Psalm 23. I don't know, this is probably an overdone psalm in some people's opinion, but I, I got to tell you, the, the older I get in the Lord, the more I spend time just thinking about this particular psalm. And I think about this psalm not just isolated either. I think about this psalm in, in terms of it being a part of a trilogy, right? Psalm 22, Psalm 23, and Psalm 24. They, they create a trilogy concerning the shepherd nature of Jesus. In Psalm 22, he's talking about his death. And Jesus told us, I lay my life down for the sheep, right? Psalm 23, we're going to look at that more specifically here. He talks about how he leads and he guides and he protects and he feeds us. And then Psalm 24, how he comes back and he's going to deliver us into our eternal relationship and position with the Lord in glory. Psalm 24. The three of them work together and they all speak to the work of Jesus as our shepherd, the good shepherd, the great shepherd. The New Testament refers to Jesus both ways, a good shepherd and a great shepherd. I think Psalm 22 speaks to us of him being the good shepherd, the one who comes and lays his life down for his flock. Psalm 23, I think, speaks to us about him being the great shepherd, the great shepherd who guides us and leads us. And then finally, Psalm 24, I think, speaks to us of him being the chief shepherd, the ultimate final shepherd leading his people home to glory. But let's look tonight just at Psalm 23 and uh, what I would have you do is just think of this psalm in, in, in terms of three groupings. Uh, first, the first three verses, where it deals with our great shepherd, Jesus, meeting every need. He understands us and he provides for every need. And then when you look at verse 4, sort of the center of the psalm, it speaks of our shepherd Jesus as the one who is our constantly present protector. And then finally, as our shepherd who makes sure we get home. It was always the work of the shepherd to get the sheep back home. Remember even Jesus talked about a shepherd, if he loses one Sheep. He'll leave the 99 in a secure place and he will go out and find 
that one sheep and bring it back to be sure he gets it safely home. Have you ever felt like that one sheep? <laughs> ever, ever been in a position where you feel like, oh Lord, I'm the only one who is strayed. I'm the only one who is struggling. I'm the only one who is failing. You know what? If you've ever felt like that, then you are the one that the good shepherd will always come and look for. He's never going to give up on you. He's going to complete the good work he has started in you. So let's look at this psalm again. I know you're very familiar with it. And so let's just enjoy it together. The Lord, Jehovah, the promise-making, promise-keeping God is my shepherd. And it's important when you read these things that you do personalize it that way, that you look at it. It's, it's not just that he is the shepherd. He is the shepherd. But the question comes down to you, and what a great privilege it is that you and I can sit and sit before him and honestly answer this, is the Lord my shepherd? Well, if he is, then I should recognize his voice. Remember, we saw that already. Jesus said, my sheep recognize my voice. They understand the way I talk to them. They understand my commands. They understand my warnings. They understand my encouragements. They understand my, my words of endearment to them. Do you know his voice? The Lord is my shepherd. And as a result, listen to what David says, I shall not want. In other words, I'm not going to lack anything. One of the things that a good shepherd makes sure of is that every member of his flock, every lamb, every sheep is well fed, is well protected, is kept clean, is kept free from disease, is treated and feels safe and secure because sheep can very easily be unsettled and they can run not knowing where they're going. And once they run, I, I read, that once they get away from the flock and they get themselves to some place that they feel secure and safe, they won't know how to get back to the flock. So the shepherd has to go get them. You know? And I thought to myself, wow, Lord, I've done that a lot too. There's been times I've turned to all kinds of other things to find safety. You know, ministry was too hard. Serving was too hard. Denying the flesh was too hard. And so I ran to something to meet a need, to satisfy something inside of me. And there I am. And you get out there and then you've, you, you fail to understand or even believe that you can get back. <laughs> Don't worry about it. He's coming looking for you. He's going to come and he's, he's going to look for you and he's going to find you. And because he is the good shepherd, he's not going to cook you and eat you once he finds you. He's going to find you and he's going to bring you back. That's the heart of our Savior Jesus. The devil comes to push us away. The devil comes to discourage us. The devil comes and tries to tell us that God is finished with us, that we've gone too far this time in our compromise and sin, but our good shepherd always comes looking for us. Always does. He did it with Adam and Eve, right, in the garden. Hey, where are you guys? Came looking for them. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I shall not Want. I'm not going to lack anything because Jesus is my good shepherd. He's my great shepherd. He knows what's best for us. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He's, he's very selective about where he would have us come and take 
rest. Now, the Bible calls us to rest. We're supposed to enter into rest, but that pasture place where we can come into rest is where it's at the foot of the cross, recognizing that Jesus fulfilled everything necessary for us to be accepted by God the Father. Jesus from the cross cried out, it is finished. The price has been paid in full. And so now he can say, come to me, Come to me if you're weary, heavy laden. I will give you rest. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And again, he says, come on, I want to give you rest. And he knows exactly where to bring us, how to bring us to a place where we rest. Now, rest for us as believers is not inactivity. It, it might be a season of some inactivity of just sitting at his feet, but it's always to encourage us, strengthen us, and prepare us for whatever he might have next. Our good shepherd knows how and where and when to bring us to green pastures. Uh, Philip Keller wrote a book years and years and years ago called uh, A Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm. It's a great book, but he talks about how a, a good shepherd will always go out before the flock and he'll check even the grasses. He wants to make sure that the grass is going to be healthy, is ripe, it's in the right season, prepared and everything for the sheep. And he wants to make sure that there aren't weeds in the grass that might be harmful, even poisonous to the sheep. And so wherever the Lord calls us to rest, it will be a place of green, healthy pastures. Pastures, literally, of tender grass. And he leads me beside the still waters, or literally waters of rest. The Lord wants us to come to a place where he can feed us from a position of us resting, and he wants to bring us to a place where he can refresh us, but again, from a place of resting. And here's the secret to that. We have to rest in his grace and mercy. We have to rest from our own works, trying to earn a right standing before him and accept that we are received and accepted and loved and forgiven by God the Father in Christ Jesus. Jesus is our place of rest. And as we rest in the finished work of Jesus, the promises of Jesus, the person of Jesus, he feeds us. How does he feed us today? He's doing it right now. He feeds us through his word. And I'll tell you, when the Holy Spirit is, is feeding the flock, the grass is always tender. It may be difficult for us sometimes to, to see it, respond to it. It, it, might, it. it might challenge us, but that grass will always be right for us. Our shepherd has gone before us. He's prepared that place for us, and that grass, that pasture is just perfect for us. And then the water, the still waters, the water can speak either of the word of God again, but so often in the New Testament, Jesus refers to springs of water. And he's referring to what? The Holy Spirit's work in the life of a believer. And I know there's a lot of confusion in the church, or at least a lot of different opinions about what evidence to look for uh, in someone who claims to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Some portions of the body of Christ say, well, if a person is baptized in the Holy Spirit, they should speak in tongues. They should be doing miracles. They should be doing all of these things. My Bible tells me someone who is really full of the Holy Spirit and dominated by the presence of the Spirit and surrendered to the work of the Spirit, the one thing that we ought to be looking for is Christ-likeness. And Jesus is love. The fruit of the Spirit, the result of the work of the Holy Spirit is what? Love. And so when, when Jesus brings us by these still waters and invites us to drink of the Holy Spirit of God, what is he doing? He's delivering us from our fear that keeps us from loving people. 
He's delivering us from any prejudices we may have that keeps us from serving people. He, he, He delivers us from any doubts we might have that keeps us from worshiping the Lord and approaching him the way we ought to. He he brings us to this place where the Spirit of God is just continually filling us and working in us and developing this wonderful love that first comes from God and enables us then to give love back to God. That's our good shepherd. I think we've all been through times where we feel like our prayer life is inadequate, our worship is inadequate, our, our witness is inadequate, you know, all of these things. And, and the devil loves to come and just beat us down and condemn us about that. Know that your Lord Jesus is a good shepherd. And he'll bring you to a place where you can feed in green pastures and learn of him and be strengthened by him. And if you're worn out and tired, he'll bring you by those still waters. And he'll invite you to just lie down and drink. Be refreshed. Be refreshed and be renewed. That's our shepherd. David goes on and he says, listen, he restores my soul. Have you been there? Have you, have you experienced that where your soul is just beat down and, and you're just wondering, you know, Lord, are you really there? Am I truly saved? Well, the Lord comes and he restores our soul and then he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. In other words, the Lord has his reputation in a sense wrapped up in your success as a Christian. He, he, he leads you in paths that are right before God and he does it for his own name's sake. He made promises. I hold the sheep in my hand. They know my voice. They come at my command. I keep them secure. Nothing created can pluck them out of my hand. I'm going to lead them in the right way and I'm going to do it because my name is at stake. Jesus has really put himself out there for you and for me. This one's with me. Part of the family. He's part of the reason I died on Calvary. Father, oh Father, let him in. Yeah, that's that's our shepherd. That's our Savior Jesus. Same yesterday, today, and forever. No matter what you did, yesterday, no matter how you struggle today or what you might be afraid of tomorrow. That's our Jesus. Always, always the same. Now, we know there are difficult times, but notice what he says in verse 4, and and this is the second item. The first was he meets all of our needs we'll, we'll never want. Uh, But the second thing about a good shepherd is he's always with us. He is always with the flock. David says, you know, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And, And David could have, I suppose, sort of rested on his own strengths and abilities. I mean, David was a warrior. David was a mighty warrior. David was a leader. He was a commander of men. You know, he could have said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because I've been there before. Right? I've been there. I've done that. I beat Goliath. I took on the bear. I took on the lion. I whooped them all. You know, the old Muhammad Ali thing. I am the greatest. Float like a butterfly and sting like a bee. Oh, my. I don't know where that came from. Uh, (laughs) But David says, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Now, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Again, remember we talked earlier about even the pharaohs and some other Uh, kings and leaders, they would use the rod and the staff uh, as an ornamental sign 
of their shepherd-like authority and compassion for their people. And it too often wasn't true. Uh, Pharaoh certainly wasn't concerned about the well-being of his people. He was only concerned about his throne, right? And his pride just brought on destruction of him and so many other people. Uh, but this rod and staff in the hand of Jesus, if you think of it, the, the, the rod that he would use to do what? To, to fight off the predatory animals that would come and attack the sheep. And the staff, that crook that you see so often in pictures of, of shepherds, he would use that to gather a sheep that had strayed too close to something dangerous, the edge of a cliff or the edge of a, a river that was flowing too quick for that sheep to be near. And he would swoop in and just pull that sheep back from the danger. And David had come to understand that. He said, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. They come alongside of me to my assistance, to my aid, to my protection, and to my provision. You are with me. That's our shepherd Jesus, right? He said, what? Go into all the world. Make disciples. Teach them all things that I have taught you. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I am with you always. I will be with you always. That's, that's our shepherd. And then beginning in verse 5, he talks about our eternal security with our shepherd Jesus. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. <laughs> Even our trials, even those times when our enemies come and attack and threaten and, and try to uh, defame us, you know, the Lord has a way of taking that terrible attack, that uncomfortable situation, and feeding us with it and actually strengthening our faith. He works all things to the good, right? For those who love him and are called according to his purposes. That's our good shepherd. He says, you anoint my head with oil to the point my cup runs over. That anointing the head of someone with oil, that, that was something that anyone would do. If you had a, a guest come to your house and it was a highly honored guest, you would anoint them with oil. We see it often in the scriptures where people were actually anointing Jesus' feet with oil, but Mary came at one point and anointed his head with oil as well. And Jesus said, you know what? She's done this to prepare me for my burial, my death. She recognizes that I'm dying for her. And Jesus will anoint our head with oil. I like that. He prepares us for our death. And I don't think we have to think of that just in terms of our physical death, although I think that's also true. If our eyes are on him, he's going to prepare us for that moment that we're finished here and Jesus takes us. But I think he prepares us and anoints us by his spirit's power and presence in our life to die to self daily. The Apostle Paul had come to know that, right? He said, I die daily. I die to self. That's, that's not natural to us. We, we are naturally defenders of self, protectors of self, resistors of anything that's hard, difficult, dangerous. But the Lord by the Holy Spirit can anoint us with oil and he can prepare us to die to self. It's one of the wonderful things that I've discovered about Jesus over the years. You know, some people talk about serving the Lord being difficult or being hard. 
And I suppose if you're trying to do it in your own energy or your own strength, it would be difficult, it would be hard. But if you're just fellowshipping with Jesus and allowing him to fill you every day, if you're just trusting Jesus, if you're just allowing him to speak his word into your heart and into your mind, if you're allowing Jesus to be continually filling you with his Holy Spirit and he's anointing you by his Holy Spirit, you know what? He will give you the ability to die to self. And he will even make it a delight. You'll make it a delight. <laughs> Paul the Apostle, right, talking to the church of Philippi, was talking about, you know, <laughs> Jesus has been so good to me that if, if I had my choice right now, I, I would just as soon go home and be with him. Right? I don't know of any true believer in the Lord that doesn't carry that attitude in their heart. Yeah, it would be, <laughs> it would be the easiest thing in the world would be to just go home and be with the Lord now. But then he was able to turn around and say, but you know what? For your sake, I'm staying here. You see, the natural instinct was, it's hard. I would like to go. But the anointing of the Holy Spirit is giving him strength to do the will of God and to surrender to the will of God no matter what it cost him. Our shepherd will do that. Whatever he requires of you, whatever he has planned for you in the future, you don't need to fear it. You don't need to take anxious thought about it. Whatever is coming, Jesus, your good shepherd, is preparing you for it now. And when the time comes, you'll be ready. He will see to that. And you'll be able to say, wow, my cup runs over. I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I was able to accomplish that. I can't believe I was able to pray like that. I can't believe that I was able to share those verses with that person. I can't believe that I was able actually to lead that person to Christ. I can't believe I was actually able to overcome that area of temptation and trial and test in my life, failure in my life. <laughs> no, when the good shepherd is working in our life, he anoints our head with oil and our cup will begin to overflow and it will not only bless us and provide for us, but it will become something that blesses others around us. And David finishes by saying, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. There is none good. But God, right? Isn't that what Jesus said? David knew the Lord was his shepherd, and so he knew goodness is going to be with me always because Jesus isn't leaving me ever. And mercy. Jesus is the expression of God's mercy. And those things follow us all the days of our life. His goodness and his mercy. And I love this final thing the shepherd always does. He always brings his flock home. He gets them home safely. You know, uh, this whole idea of people being able to come to Christ and then to sin, some particular sin that would preclude them from being able to be taken in the rapture of the church. What a bunch of nonsense. It's just not true. If, if you're in Christ, if you are in his flock, if Jesus is your shepherd, then you will be able to say as well, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And think of that. David wrote that. And David had committed adultery and had committed murder. Two sins for which the Mosaic law provided no forgiveness. David understood the grace and the mercy of God. And that faith in the goodness and mercy of God was what was accounted to him for righteousness. Just like Abraham. 
just like every saint in the Old Testament. The great shepherd. Psalm 24 speaks of him as the chief shepherd. Again, this idea of him getting us all the way home. Look with me at the end of Psalm 24. Uh, Starting verse 8, who is this king of glory? The strong, the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift up, you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? It's the Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. It's a shout of victory that at the end, for all of Israel's sufferings, for all of their struggles, for all of their failures, one day the king of glory is coming and he is going to restore them and restore them to their place in the kingdom. Our great shepherd is doing the same thing for you and me today. The, the Lord is coming back for us and he is going to take us home to be in that place that he's prepared for us. He has already said, Father, of all that you have given me, I have not lost one. That's our shepherd. He is faithful, he is true, and he will not lose, not one. Two other passages, if we can take the time to look at them quickly. The first one is uh, 1 Peter 5. Even Peter came to know Jesus this way as a shepherd. And it's sort of couched in language that's a warning to those that are in leadership in the church. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1, The elders who are among you I exhort. I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd (laughs) appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Jesus is the chief shepherd. Those that he places in positions of influencing and protecting and providing for and feeding and leading his sheep, they are under shepherds. Parents, you are under shepherds. You have a flock, and that's the children that God has entrusted to you. Go with me to Hebrews, and we'll finish with this. Hebrews chapter 13. I love this benediction. I believe it was written by Paul, but You can argue with me. And at the rapture, you'll discover you're wrong and I'm right. (laughs) Verse 20, Hebrews 13. Now may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Remember he said, I lay my life down for the sheep, the shepherd lying across the opening into the sheepfold, protecting, laying his life down for the sheep. He says, may he make you complete. May he make you perfect, mature. Make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you, what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Jesus is the shepherd. He's the good shepherd. He's the great shepherd. 
He's the one who lays his life down for the sheep. He knows your voice. He wants you to come to know his voice. He leads you into green pastures. He allows you and encourages you to lie down beside the still waters. Hmm. And even when you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, you won't need to fear evil because he's with you. And the good work that he started, he's going to be faithful to complete it. Our good shepherd is one day going to allow every single one of us to say, surely I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Forever. Hmm. Sitting here looking at Vince tonight, and I'm thinking to myself, wouldn't it be great? Maybe we should take a vote. But if he would sing for us some day, the 23rd Psalm. been put to music a couple of times in beautiful, beautiful, powerful, powerful ways. But what a great way to be reminded of who Jesus is for us. He's our shepherd, our good shepherd, the great shepherd. And he'll never lose one of us. Father, we thank you and pray, Lord, that you'd encourage our hearts. And Lord, set us free again from fear. We know You've not given us a spirit of fear, but you've given us a sound mind. And so, Lord, help us to understand this relationship. Lord, not a relationship of our making, not even a relationship of our sustaining, but a relationship that you have purposed, Lord. A relationship that you have secured for us through your own death and resurrection and now your intercession for us and the very presence of your Holy Spirit in us. Lord, You hold us in your hand. Lord, you know our voice. Lord, you know our fears. You know our needs. You know our concerns, Lord. Father, you know our weaknesses. You know our tendencies. Lord, how quickly we can stray and place ourselves in dangerous situations. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're willing to leave the 99 and come and find us and that you gently lead us back. Thank you, Lord, that you prepare a table before us in the presence of our very enemies. Lord, you feed us in perfect love, the word of truth, Lord. Lord, how we thank you that you anoint our head with oil to the point that our cup just runs over Lord, help us to experience that this week, Lord. And Lord, if there's anything standing between us and you to keep us from that fullness, Lord, that overflowing cup, Lord, we pray that you would graciously remove it, Lord. And Lord, if any of us are struggling with our hope, Lord, may we know the assurance that what you've started, you'll finish. Surely, we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever because the Lord is our shepherd. And we pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you.